This morning we want to look at John chapter 20. We'll begin in verse 24. I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And then John continued in his gospel these words. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the holy word of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, give us perspective on what we believe and have faith in and what we doubt. Give us discernment that we might more eagerly and earnestly seek your help to grow in our faith. In these moments, may we learn from this disciple we've come to call Doubting Thomas. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, Thomas is a disciple that does stand out from the others. He's called the doubter. I don't think it was an affectionate word given to him. And like all the other disciples, Thomas is not present on this Sunday when Jesus was raised from the dead and appeared to the other disciples. We don't know where he was. The best that can be done is speculate, and that's usually not a good thing to do. It's not helpful. When the others tell him that they had seen Jesus, he won't believe. They insist that Jesus is alive, that he's been with them, that he has risen from death. Thomas wants proof for himself to see the nail holes in his flesh and the wound in his side. But let's remember the perspective in this story. Thomas hasn't seen Jesus. All the others have. They were good friends, but there's a limit to how far you go with the friends saying they saw and experienced something that you didn't. But remember also, Thomas is not a disciple without faith. When Jesus was near the Jordan River and was asked to come to Bethany just outside Jerusalem because his dear friend Lazarus was very ill, he waited for a, two, for a few days, and then we read in John chapter 11, then Jesus said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. The disciples were not eager to make this trip. Even more, they were not eager for Jesus to make this trip. We read on in John 11. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. 
and yet you are going back there? There is no indication who made those comments to Jesus. But it's very clear who took the leadership and stood out as a man of faith and courage as we read on in John 11, verse 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. You know, Thomas could have been quiet that day. He could have allowed the fears of the disciples to be something Jesus needed to handle. He didn't need to stand out, but that's not Thomas. Thomas always expressed himself. Now, after Jesus' death and burial, Thomas' character and style haven't changed one iota. All the others declare that Jesus is alive. Thomas will not believe until he sees Jesus himself. He does not resign himself to accept what the others say or believe. That's the intro. That's where we begin. So we look at the word doubt in English. It's one of those words that's both a verb and a noun. As a verb, to doubt is to be undecided, to be skeptical about. To doubt is to disbelieve or distrust. As a noun, doubt is a lack of conviction or certainty, a lack of trust. Synonyms include words like qualm, hesitation, misgiving, and question. What's helpful, though, is that the New Testament gives us several helps with doubt, at least with the practical definitions and contrasts. So let's take a brief scriptural journey to learn about this word. Doubt is defined. One of the great stories of doubt came just after Jesus had fed the 5,000 on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. 5,000 people on a little boy's bag lunch. Thanks for his mom who made it happen and Jesus who made it work. Then Jesus, after doing this, told them to get into the boat, go back across Galilee to the other side while he went up on the hillside to pray. He needed time to refuel, to get fresh direction, to be with his father, to know what's next, what's coming, what do you want me to do now? Later that night, as the disciples were struggling with the high winds on the lake, Jesus comes to them walking on the water. That is weird. I mean, we've made nothing of it, but walking on the water. There's the joke, of course, it tells you the two people in the boat, the rabbi and the priest, and they were talking about this miracle, and the, the priest says, man, that would be amazing if that happened, and the rabbi got out of the boat and began to walk across the water. He came back, got down in the boat, and the priest's going, man, I don't have that kind of faith. He says, no, no, you just don't know where the rocks are. I'm not belittling that story. It's true. He walked on the water. It wasn't that Jesus knew where the rocks were. Galilee is shallow, but it's not that shallow. And so as Jesus comes walking to them on the water, they are terrified. Then they realize it's Jesus, and Peter indicates a desire to come to Jesus on the water. That's Peter. He's always stepping into it. We read in Matthew 14, Jesus is speaking. He says, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, 
he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? The implication, doubt is little faith. Little faith. It wasn't Thomas who doubted in this story. It was Peter. Peter, distracted from Jesus by his personal circumstances, falters and begins to sink. And isn't that what doubt does to us? It distracts us. It blinds us from him as we focus on our personal circumstances. Ever since Easter Sunday morning, we've been talking about those emotional experiences that make us wonder and blind. Things like fear, things like grief, things like disappointment, and today, doubt that distract us from the reality of what God has made possible for us. So to help us with our understanding of doubt, the scripture gives us contrasts. Jesus had cursed a fig tree because it was unproductive. Later, when his disciples saw that the tree had withered and died, they questioned him about this experience and about this tree. Jesus responds to them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Faith is practically defined as belief. Are we exercising it? Do we have it? We need help? Do we doubt? As up is the opposite of down, belief is the opposite of doubt. Jesus' brother James teaches the believers who've left Jerusalem because of the persecution that their prayer life needs to be based on faith. And he writes in his letter, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Faith and doubt are opposites. Isn't it interesting that James uses the notion of waves when writing about doubt? And I wonder if he had the story of Peter and the waves earlier on Galilee that caused him to waver in mind as he wrote those words in that letter. To doubt is to have little faith. To doubt is to not believe. As we've seen, Thomas is not unique when it comes to doubt. Peter doubted and sank until the Lord took hold of him and lifted him up. The truth is, doubt exists in each of us, doesn't it? Don't we all struggle with doubt at some point or another? 
Jesus had been on the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He had been transformed before them in a dazzling display of holiness. We have no idea what that was like. In the meantime, the other disciples had been trying to heal a young boy and were unsuccessful. When Jesus and the three come down out of the mountain, he finds the turmoil therein over the failure to heal this young boy. Jesus intercedes, and in Mark 9, we read this story. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's often thrown himself into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. A healthy understanding of self and the need for more faith. There are things we struggle to believe about the gospel, about our life as followers of Jesus Christ. This is the prayer given to us to pray that comes from this Father. I do believe, help my unbelief. Help me to begin to believe more than I do now. We need to give ourselves to the full attention to the need for a growing faith. Faith is not a, a, a static thing. It's not something, well, I believe in Jesus. That's it. I'm in. I've got heaven. I'm secure. It's been made. No. There's so much more than that. It's called the abundant life, not just the eternal life. It's called the life that's to be full. It's a life in following him in all the difficult circumstances and decisions that we must make in life as well. We need a growing faith. The father of this boy believed, but he believed in the power of Jesus to heal him, but he also knew he had unbelief. He had asked Jesus to overcome his unbelief. Do I believe? That's a very important question to ask ourselves. Do I believe, really? Do I recognize my unbelief is equally important and perhaps more difficult to be clear about in our lives? Do I ask Jesus Christ to help me overcome my unbelief? In his book, Wishful Thinking, Frederick Buechner writes about doubt. I love this quote. It's not Bible, but it's good stuff. Whether your faith is that there is a God or that there is not a God, if you don't have any doubts, you are either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. Let that percolate for a while. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it, that is, they keep faith awake and moving. And if you've ever had ants in your pants, you know exactly what he means. My sense is that doubt becomes the fuel that drives me back to Jesus Christ. G Peter, when he was sinking in the water, didn't say, okay, I'm going to believe now and I'm going to look at you. No, he said, Jesus, help me. And Jesus did. He always does. We can count on him. He's good. I come to Jesus so I can stay awake and move. I can move away from unbelief 
and move toward faith in him and his provision in my life. But there's more. Doubters are to be cared for. When doubt exists in other people and we see or hear it, the reaction often becomes judgment. This is how Thomas got labeled Doubting Thomas. It's a statement of judgment on him. This is especially true when the doubt of the other person is something that you have fortunately been able to settle for yourself. You have no doubt about it. It's no longer an issue. You believe that's the way it is. But they don't? Well. And we look down. And we hold away. We go, how can they be that way? Why won't they believe me? And that's what the disciples did with Thomas. Jude, another brother of Jesus, recognized this problem clearly. So he wrote to fellow Christians how they were to deal with doubters. We read from his letter, verses 20 and 22. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. That's the word of the Lord to us. Be merciful to those who doubt. A critical teaching. The strength of this teaching is found in Jesus' instructions. Do for others what you would have others do for you. If you doubt, you want someone who believes to be able to help you and be a friend to you and an encouragement to you, not a judgment on you. And that's what we're called to give to other people as well. Not everyone is on the path towards God. But those who claim Christ are declaring that they're on the pathway. But not every person is on the pathway in the same place. We're in lots of different places. Some of you are maybe new to this walk with Jesus Christ. Some of you have been walking a long time with him. Some of you ran ahead. Slow down. Some of you are lagging behind. We forget that following is our responsibility. But the important thing is wherever we are on the pathway, whatever our condition in the moment, there are people we can encourage, and I pray to God there are people who can encourage us. We are all in need of encouragement and help and partnership as we travel with Jesus. So let us give it when we can. Let us certainly receive it when we can't, and we'll be helped. That's what it means to be merciful to those who doubt. It's amazing to note that Thomas moves rather quickly from doubt to faith upon seeing Jesus. In fact, the degree of faith expressed by Thomas has been lost, mostly because of the intense focus on his doubt. Listen to what Dorothy Sayers says about Thomas and his response to Jesus in her book, The Man Born to be King. It is unexpected but extraordinarily convincing that the one absolutely unequivocal statement in the whole gospel of the divinity of Jesus should come from doubting Thomas. It is the only place where the word God is used without qualification of any kind and in the most unambiguous form of words. And this must be said, not ecstatically or with a cry of astonishment, but with flat conviction as of one acknowledging irrefragable evidence, two plus two equals four, that is the sun in the sky, you are my Lord and my God. 
End of quote. Thomas was the first who fully declared the divinity of Jesus Christ and declared it in a personal and life-changing way. The Apostle John then brings to us the final word on doubt in his gospel in his comments at the end of today's text. Listen again to what John wrote. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote this good news so that people would believe and not doubt, so that people would believe that Jesus is the Christ and nothing less, so that by believing, people would really be able to live, really live. The voice of Thomas is not all about doubt. The voice of Thomas is all about the growth of faith. The voice of Thomas takes us from I will not believe to my Lord and my God. May we each be on this same journey towards that kind of unabashed faith in our Lord and our God. And thus have life. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father, as I've often prayed here from this lectern, Give us a passion for the scripture, a desire to both read and study it together. Let us allow the scripture to do its work that we may believe that your son, our Lord Jesus, is the Christ, and that by believing we may have life, full and abundant life, in his name. Amen.